0: Uh, hi everybody. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. It's good to have you here. I um, also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. I uh, don't know where you're watching from or what day you're watching this on, but glad that you are tuned in as well. Hope that you watch the whole video. Hope you so, You know what? While you're there watching on YouTube, just subscribe to our channel, click the bell, do all the YouTube stuff, and I hope that you experience God's presence and that you too grow in your relationship with God even through watching a video on YouTube. So Thanks for being here. Uh, we are today continuing on in a series. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. Sorry, that was last service. Here we go. We're continuing on a series called When Dying is Winning. Uh, we kicked off this series last week, so if it's your first time here today or first time in a while, let me just give you some background, some, some kind of heart behind this series. I believe that there are things in our lives, certain aspects of our lives, that if we could learn to put them to death or get rid of them that we would actually be better as a result. If there were, you know, maybe certain emotions, certain habits, certain characteristics about us, that if we could finally be free of them, if we could learn how to kill them off when dying, we would actually be winning as a result in our lives. We'd experience more peace, more fulfillment, more freedom, the life that I believe God intends us to have. And uh, so that's kind of, that's the series. Now last week, We talked about greed and I think because at least those of us in the room were Americans, those of you watching online have no idea, but living in 2021 as Americans, uh, greed is something that we will all struggle with and deal with. So if you were not here or have not had a chance to watch that message online, I highly, highly encourage you to do so. Again, because when we learn how to die to greed, we will win as a result. Now today, I want to start off by showing you a series of pictures, okay? And these pictures are not not related or not trying to like weave a story or anything like that, so just don't try and jump ahead of me. But just, I want you to look at these pictures, I'm going to kind of try to describe the situation. And as you see these pictures, I want you to think about what's going on inside of you. Now don't share it with the person next to you, we're not going to take a poll, nobody's going to answer out loud. But think about when you look at these pictures, these situations, what emotion starts to come up inside and there's a whole bunch of them, okay? So the first one is this, a baby crying on an airplane. So put yourself in the situation, you're boarding a flight from MSP, you're going to fly on a, I don't know, two or three hour flight out to the west coast and you discover that your seat is next to a parent with a little toddler and before the flight even gets off the ground, they start crying and they're crying the whole time. What? What goes on inside you? Just, you don't have to be honest with anybody else, but inside you, what goes on? What emotion do you start to feel when that little one starts crying and having a fit for three hours? Okay, here's another one. Could you please learn the difference between two and two, your, your, there, 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 before, po- okay, when you see a post on social media that somebody does not know the basics of grammar, what goes on in your heart? What do you, what do you start to think about that person? What emotion starts to rise up inside? Here's another one. When you are next to somebody and they are smacking their lips as loud as they can when they're eating and it's just gross, you can hear the saliva in the back of their cheeks just like, you're just gross. Maybe it's your spouse again, don't, don't elbow them, but just when you're around someone and they start chewing really loudly, what do you want to do to them? Say anything out loud. Okay, this is just internal, right? Just inside. I can't even look at this picture. It is so disturbing to me. When you're trying to find a place to park at Walmart or Menards or this, you know, the elementary school, and you know, Mr. Mercedes takes up two or three spots. What what do you wish you could do to their tires? Okay, maybe not that. <clears throat> what what emotion starts to rise up inside as you drive by and everything else is full and everybody else follows the lines and They're just part there. Okay, don't worry. We got more, okay? We got more. And now they're going to really start to get real, okay? So just everybody hang on for a minute. What comes up inside when you see everybody's favorite fashion accessory? And you can be on either side of this. When you see someone with a mask on and you think they shouldn't, what comes up inside? When you have a mask on and you see people who don't and you think they should, what comes up inside? When you see masks and this whole mask thing, we're going to get real personal, okay? So just hang with me. Ooh, and silence came across the room. You walk into work on Monday, or maybe this has already happened for you, and your employer is requiring a vaccine. There's a vaccine mandate, or even just when you think about it in our culture right now. And again, on either side, if you think we shouldn't have it or if you think that we should, What comes up inside with this whole vaccine debate going on in our world right now? And if none of these pictures have done anything for you by now, maybe this guy's face will? And if not his face, then surely his face. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's why I show you all those pictures because I think there's something that happened to each one of us when we looked at the. If, if this didn't happen, this is a poor illustration, but I think there's something that happened as we looked at those pictures and at least one of those situations, I think there's an emotion that we all felt. And that emotion is anger. At least one of those things, whether it was somebody parking, chewing loudly, the president, vaccine, whatever it is, something inside made us start to feel a little angry, Right? And I show those pictures to illustrate how quickly and how easily our anger is aroused in our lives. And unfortunately, it's only becoming more and more of a problem for all of us. With with social media and the ability for every single person to post every single thought any time they want, whether it's warranted or not, that just makes our anger level go up and up and up, right? With politics becoming more and more divisive by the second makes our anger levels go up and up and up. With all the stress and pressure and health stuff and kids' schools and job and just normal everyday life, And anger is only going up and up and up. And here's, here's what I know about all of us. Anger is something that plagues us all. Now, maybe you are not as angry as somebody else that you know, but we've all experienced this emotion called anger. It's something that we all have to deal with. But here's, here's, here's kind of the, the complexity of this anger thing. Even as I try to think about this week and how we're going to talk about it and what can I say, anger is such a complex, confusing emotion and topic to talk about. If you were to go on Amazon right now and type in books about anger, there would be over 20,000 pages of results. Not 20,000 books, 20,000 pages of books About anger. I was reading some some articles and some research papers and stuff throughout the week and even scientists and doctors and people way smarter than any of us are are not on the same um, kind of wavelength when it comes to anger. There are some researchers, some scientists with PhDs and tons of letters behind their name that describe anger as like this primal emotion. They write about it like it's this, it's almost like our minds reverting back to like this untrained, uneducated state of mind. Some people describe anger as temporary insanity. Maybe you've experienced that with somebody or from a loved one, you've seen them go temporarily insane. And so on one hand, it's like this, we're almost reverting back to like this animal sort of sense. But on the other side, there are plenty of other researchers and well-documented studies and smart people saying that anger is not like that at all. In fact, it's this very complex emotion. They describe it as like this secondary sort of emotion that we use as a cover to protect ourselves when something else deep down inside is, is bothering us or hurting us and we use it kind of like protection for ourselves. Anger is described as the most moralistic of all emotions. At least that's how one person put it. Meaning that we always feel justified in our anger, right? Anytime you and I have been angry, don't we always feel like I have the right to be angry, dang it? If they wouldn't have done this, if they would have done that, if they wouldn't have said that, and we we tell ourselves, I have a right to be angry. And I don't know whether anger is always good always bad. I don't know if anger is right or wrong. It seems to be this emotion that can like float between all these different things. And even when we look at the Bible, I don't really think there's a clear answer as far as how do we define anger and right or wrong. I mean, Jesus was angry and we know that Jesus never sinned, but yet there are plenty of examples and warnings and instructions from God about, you know, for us to to curb our anger, to get rid of anger, to not be any part of it at all. It's like, what do we do with all that? I have no idea what we do with all that. Anger Anger is a very complex issue. But here's, here's what I do know about anger as it relates to all of us. We have all suffered the consequences of our own anger. Every single one of us have paid the price because we let our anger get the best of us. Medically speaking, I want to read some, some um, statistics and what they have found as it relates to Anger. They say, doctors say, that for the two hours following an angry outburst, that our chance of heart attack doubles and our chance of stroke triples. Okay, if you have health problems already, getting angry is literally a life and death issue for us. They say that people characterized by anger, I have no idea what that means, I didn't do the research, this is just what they say, people characterized by anger double their risk of coronary disease in the long term above those who are less angry. In normally healthy people, even recalling an angry experience leads to a 6-hour decrease of antibodies in our immune system. If you think about something that you were angry about last night, your immune system is compromised. Not a good time of the year for that to happen, okay? Anger is not good. Anger has been tied to lung problems, anxiety, and depression among others. And what's even worse than all the medical, you know, problems that come with anger for you and I is the long-lasting pain and regret and turmoil and tension that we have caused because of our anger. That's why James, the half brother of Jesus, says this human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It absolutely does not. And every single one of us, if we were to tell our story on stage, we could all recount a personal experience from our lives when our anger not only did not produce the righteousness that God desires, but man, we hurt ourselves so much in the process where we said something we wish we could take back, where we broke something that we wish we wouldn't have, where we burned a bridge that we wish, I, man, if I, could, if I could pay money to take that back, I would. I know for me, when my parents got divorced about eight years ago, I, I went temporarily insane in my anger, without a doubt. And I wrote two emails, one to my dad and one to my uncle, that I will regret until the day I die. It is one of the two biggest regrets I have in my life, was the hate and anger that came out when I gave into my anger. And, and I, it follows me around to this day. It is one of the things I am most embarrassed about. One of the things I'm most ashamed of, I would do anything to take back writing those emails. And I think we probably all have a story like that where, man, I just wish so bad I would not have given into to that anger. I wish so bad I would not have blown up. I wish so bad I wouldn't have said those things. I wish I would have known this before I let my anger the best of me. I think it's one of the big reasons why God, knowing what's best for us, wanting the best for our lives, says things like this, don't let, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, again, I'm not sure in this first sentence if anger is always a sin or if anger leads to sin. I have no idea, but I do know that this is not what we want. I do know this is bad for our lives. This is not good. He goes on just a few verses later to say, get rid of all bitterness. That's a form of anger. Rage, form of anger. Anger, anger. Harsh words, what comes out of anger. Slander, what comes out of anger. And then, this is my favorite part. This is like the catch-all. As well as all other types of evil behavior. Like if you think there's something, some sort of you know spiritual loophole you're going to get through, as well as everything else. Just get rid of it all, right? Not good for us. From God's perspective, it is so crystal clear that anger hurts us. Anger causes pain in our lives. It is not God's will for us that we be angry. And I think knowing that, I think every single one of us would say, even if we don't know what the Bible says, I think we would all say, I wish I could put anger to death, right? Even if you're not a Christian, you're not sure whether you can trust the Bible, you're not sure God is real, you have no idea about this whole Jesus thing, I think every single one of us would say I wish I could put anger to death. I wish I could get anger out of my life. None of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning and go to work and say, "You know what? I think I want to be more angry today." I really, you know what? I think I think my relationship with my coworkers is going to be way better from just angry. None of us want to do that. We would love to be free from the anger that can so easily control us. Wouldn't you like to not have to be filled with rage? Wouldn't you like to not have to get revenge? Wouldn't you like to not have resentment build All of us want to put anger to death. But here's the thing, and if you were here last week, you already know the answer. If it's your first time, let me give you kind of the bad news. The bad news is you can't do anything about it. You cannot, I cannot, none of us can put anger to death by our own willpower, by our own strength, by our own determination. Last week we talked about that with greed. What makes anger even worse than greed is that when we try to put that to death ourselves, you know what happens? Our anger just grows. Right? When someone tells us, be less angry, or when we even tell ourselves, okay, I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't be angry, you know what we do? We dig our heels in just a little bit more. Our anger just builds. and We start to feel even more and more justified. And yeah, I know I shouldn't, but man, they deserve it. Right? And just it, So not only can we not put it to death, we can't even control our anger. Not for real, not long-term. It just builds and builds and festers inside of us. And it causes so much pain and hurt in our lives. And that's why what we looked at last week, what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, is such good news for us when it comes to putting anger or anything else to death in our lives. He writes this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, those of us who are Christians connected to God, we don't have to give in to our anger Anymore, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. If you live trying to kill it yourself, trying to you know play the anger game yourself, you're going to fail. You're not going to win. You're going to die. It's not going to go well. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, your anger, you will live. If through the power of the Holy Spirit, if through our relationship with God, we allow God to put anger to death, then we will live. Then we will win. It's our relationship with God, and the more we experience Him, that we are changed and renewed and transformed on the inside. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that Paul writes here that that we not only experience God's presence in His character, but that His character in His heart slowly starts to become our character in our heart as well. Putting anger to death is not about our efforts, but it's about our relationship with God that Jesus makes possible. And the more time that we utilize the power of the Spirit, the more time that we spend with God, the more that anger starts to die off in us. And this really happens, I think, in two different ways. First is when we're already angry, and second is before we ever get angry in the first place. I want to talk talk about the first one. There are plenty of situations probably in our lives right now where we already feel some anger. Maybe it's not controlling, but it's probably there's something in our lives that makes us angry. What do we do in those situations? Especially in those situations where where it's like a deep pain, where there was hurt, where there was betrayal, where there was abuse, where somebody did something behind our backs. The key to overcoming anger in those situations is to forgive. Now, in easier situations, we've all forgiven before, right? Like that's, you know, when the problem's not that big, when the anger isn't that huge, that can be kind of easy. We can move on. But when anger starts to control us, grip our lives, feed into our minds day after day, affect our lives, it's only the forgiveness that we first experience in a relationship with God that allows us to forgive and put anger to death. Jesus Told a story about this, a made-up story. They're called parables that illustrates this point so well. I want to read through it this morning. He starts off like this: Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, or kind of the way things work in God's system, can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date, with servants who'd borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars he couldn't pay, and so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife. His children and everything he owned to pay the debt. Culturally, a totally different system that we live in right now. But as Jesus starts off this made up story, what he's saying this, this millions of dollars is how we translate it to English today. The implication of what Jesus is saying is that this was a sum of money that could not ever be repaid. It was so big, so much debt that this guy owed that even if he lived the rest of his life as a slave, even if his wife was sold, even if his kids were sold, even if everything he ever accomplished was sold, there would still be more debt to pay on top of that. This, this completely impossible situation to get out of. But the man fell down before his master, the king, and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Okay, totally false, number one. He's just reaching for straws. There's no way he could have paid it back. But then his master was filled with pity for him. and He released him and forgave his debt. The king, the master, has this change of heart that is inconceivable in in comparison to the amount of debt that was owed that he forgave him. He released him. The king could have been angry. In fact, even earlier on, he was going to put him into slavery, sell everything justified anger, but chose to forgive, not because he was paid back, not because he could pay back, not for any other reason than just he was moved in his heart to forgive the guy who owed him so much money. Now from here, Jesus launches into really the, 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 um, the, the most poignant part of the story. He says what happens to this man then from there. When the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. I mean, almost inconceivably small amount of money. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Now, when you go around grabbing people by the throat, that might be a sign that you have an anger problem, okay? I'm not, I'm not a counselor, but to me that, that's, that screams I've got anger issues. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it. Basically repeats the same thing that the first guy said to the king. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. So here's a guy who had been forgiven of more than he could ever repay, and yet he still holds on to his anger and his unforgiveness towards someone who could have paid him back probably in a couple weeks. Not a big deal at all. But rather than forgive, rather than put anger to death, he chooses to hold on to it and grip it even tighter. In the story that Jesus is telling, all, some of the people around see what's going on. They run off to kind of tattle on the first guy to the king. King, you'll never believe what happened. This guy's being so, you know, whatever. And here's how Jesus finishes up the story. Then the king called in the man he'd forgiven and said, <laughs> What in the world is wrong with you? You evil servant! I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you? I think this is the key word of the whole story. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And it's this last sentence right here that I think transitions from just this made-up story about a king and a, a guy to being applicable to every one of our lives for those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, which I may not be everybody here, but for those of us who have, shouldn't we be more compelled to forgive because of the, experience, because of the forgiveness we've already experienced? That God loved us so much that he forgave us of all of our, a, a debt that we owed, a debt that we brought upon ourselves that is more than any sort of monetary amount ever could be. And yet God through Jesus chooses to say, I forgive you. Shouldn't that affect how we extend forgiveness to other people as well? Shouldn't that change how we deal with anger in our lives and help us to more easily? I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. I'm not not sure forgiveness is ever easy. But shouldn't our experience with God compel us to extend forgiveness to people? Part of the way that that we allow God to put anger to death in us is by simply experiencing the forgiveness that he's shown us already and extending that to other people. I want you to think about some of the situations in your life that you might be angry about right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of you are angry at your boss or angry at your just job in general or management, whatever it is. And, and you feel like, especially over the past year, that you've put in extra work and you've taken on extra projects and you've been there when other people have called in sick and maybe you were led on to, to believe that a promotion was coming and maybe you were promised a, a bonus at some time and then you get the Clark Griswold treatment. You know, you get the jelly of the month club. Like it can be understandable to be angry. I'm not saying we should, maybe shouldn't even be angry. I have no idea. Anger's complex. But in those times, we can choose to hold on to that anger. We can choose to sit in that misery or because we are mindful and experience so much of God's forgiveness ourselves, we can choose to allow him to help forgive the people hurt us now that doesn't mean you have to stay at that job that doesn't mean that you need to be best friends with your boss that doesn't mean we can't voice our opinions but we have a choice of how to put anger to that we can either sit in that anger and stew in it or we can allow our experience our relationship with god through the power of the spirit as paul writes in romans to help us put anger to death by forgiving by extending just a small piece of the forgiveness that we've first experienced in our relationship with God. Maybe for you, you're angry at a a family member. You know, maybe a a parent left when you were little and you felt neglected and you never got, you know, the storybook kind of growing up white picket fence. Maybe for you, um, a spouse cheated on you and you just feel betrayed to the core. Maybe for you, you were abused when you were little or even as an adult and and you just don't feel like you can trust. I understand that anger can feel justified. And I don't know, maybe it even is. I have no idea. But in those times when the hurt is so strong, when the pain is so deep, when the betrayal is so much, when anger just grows and grows and grows, I'm telling you, the only way out of it, the only way that we put this to death is to forgive. And in those situations where that that pain is so high, we can't forgive that on our own. We can't do that we need to experience more of God's forgiveness for us first in order to be able to forgive others as well. And so often we just think, you know, well, if I could just, I'm just going to build up as much rage as I possibly can. And I'm just going to try and get as much revenge as I possibly can. And I'm just going to hold on to resentment as much as I can. And we think that we're going to be better on the other side. But none of us have ever been better on the other side, have we? maybe felt better for five minutes or five weeks or five months, who knows? But long term, none of us have ever given into our anger and felt better, let alone actually been better on the other side. Part of the way that God instructs us, helps us put anger to death is by forgiving us so that we can forgive others as well. That's how to handle things when we're already angry. But here's the interesting thing. Forgiving someone or something or a situation when we're already angry is kind of like taking medicine when we're sick. Now that's good. That's right. We should do it. Medicine helps. It's a great plan. If you're sick, take medicine. But what about this? What if we were never sick in the first place? What if rather than dealing with anger once we're already angry, what if we just learned to be less angry On the inside. Man, wouldn't that be winning? Wouldn't it be great to not have to go through the hard process of forgiving, but to actually just be less angry to begin with? The Apostle Paul kind of talks about this, not with anger specifically, but it's certainly applicable here, in his letter to the Colossian church. He says this, now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Okay, we got that. I think that's what we all want. Let's get rid of that stuff. But how? How do we do this, Paul? He says in Romans, through the power of the Spirit, he says basically the same principle, but words it differently in a couple of verses later. Put on how? Is to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn, here's the key word, to know your creator and become like him. It is as we know God, as we build a relationship with God, as we spend time with God through what Jesus made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are literally made new, renewed on the inside. The number one thing on God's heart is to have a relationship with people. The number one reason that, the only reason that Jesus died was to restore us in a relationship with God. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. So much about Christianity is about a relationship with God. In fact, everything is about that. And yet it is the thing that you and I do so little. We want to try every other remedy, every other medicine, every other solution to deal with our anger. And what really works the best is knowing your creator, allowing God to change and transform us on the inside. What if we just started with this first? He goes on to write this. Since God chose you, okay? I love this since word. Since to me, anytime I read the word since, I tell myself since makes it all make sense, okay? Since makes it all make sense. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, Since God forgave us, since God wants a relationship with us, since God sent Jesus for us, since God promised us the Holy Spirit, since God offers to give us himself, since God has done so much for us. I think of it like this. If you were here earlier this summer when we were going through the Romans series, we got to Romans chapter 12, started with the word because. Because, 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 because of the wonderful things he does. That's the attitude. That's the place that Paul is writing. It's a heart change. It's a response to all God has done. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you, anyone who angers you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Okay, cool, Paul. Got that. That's what we all, yep, Awesome. But then he writes this. I love this part. Above all. Above all. I don't know if he intended this or this is just what I think when I read this, but I, I get the picture. When he says above all, like yeah, that forgiveness is good, mercy is good, gentle, all that is good. But you know what's better than all of that? You know what's above all that? You know when it comes to our anger issues? You know what the best solution is? Above all. Clothe yourselves with love. You know, that little thing God seems to be all about. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Just like we put greed to death by being so satisfied in the peace that comes from God, the same thing is true with our anger. Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, bloodied, broken, beaten, spit upon, made fun of, beard pulled out. As he looked down at the people causing him so much physical pain, he was not angry at them. Why? Because he was filled with the presence of his Holy Father. Stephen is the first Christian martyr, the first person to be killed for his faith. And as he is literally being stoned to death, people are throwing rocks on him to kill him. He is not angry at his persecutors. Why? Because earlier Luke records in Acts that Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul found himself at one time in his life in prison, stripped of his freedoms, not able to go where he wanted to go, do what he wanted to do. And there were people on the outside who were making fun of him and saying that he was in prison because of doing all these sorts of wrong things and he wasn't really, you know, preaching the true gospel stuff. And yet Paul writes in Philippians, in prison, I rejoice. I rejoice. Why could Paul say that? Because a relationship with God makes... A difference. If you and I want to put anger to death, part of it is forgiving, but the best solution is just to be filled with God's presence to begin with. We like to think, we like to tell ourselves, listen, if the situation just changed, then I'd be less angry, right? Isn't that what we all say? Maybe you never said it out loud, but you know what? If they, whoever they are to you, if they just listened, I wouldn't be angry. If they just did this thing right, then I wouldn't be angry. If the president just did this, then I wouldn't be angry. If the whole mask thing wasn't this, then I wouldn't be angry. And we tell ourselves, man, if the situation changed, then I wouldn't be angry, right? But here's here's what I think is is a better picture. We want to change our situation. God wants to change our spirit. The way that you and I overcome anger, put anger to death, is again, not through our efforts, not through us gritting our teeth, not through us telling ourselves, oh, just don't be angry. It's by allowing God to change our spirits on the inside. And I just want to know, do you want that? Do you want to be less angry? Do you want to put anger to death? Do you wish that that was not so much a part of your life anymore? When you get on social media this week, do you want that rage to not bubble up? Because <laughs> it's gonna be there. The opportunity for anger, I guarantee, is gonna be there. Do you wanna be able to put that to death? When you run into that person in the grocery store or at work or wherever you are in the city and and, and your mind is just filled with how am I gonna get revenge? Do you wanna not have your mind go there? You want to not be filled with that anger inside. When you think about that situation five years ago, and your brother hurt you, and your parents took so long, whatever it is for you that you've been holding on to so long, do you want to be free from resentment? You want to be able to put anger to death. Kevin, our founding pastor, has said for years. I've heard him say this the twenty years I've known him. He talks about kind of his goal in his relationship with God, and he describes it a little different every time. But this is basically the gist of it: that. When, when somebody steps on his toe, right, something bad happens, somebody steps on his toe for other people to come up and say, like, man, didn't you notice? I mean, can you believe they did that? Why aren't you angry? Why aren't you bothered by that? Like, this should be something that gets you all worked up. And he wants his genuine response because of his relationship with God to be, notice what? No, no, I'm not angry. What are you, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, I'm so complete and satisfied in God. I, anger? What, what's Anger? Now listen, I am not there, okay? I want that goal. I want to be there. But I will tell you honestly for my heart, if this message is for anybody, it's for me. Anger is one of the things in my life that God still has a lot of work to do. I get angry more often than I want. I say things that I don't want to say. I can be frustrated so easily. But I know I can't fix that myself. I've tried for 35 years, failed every single time. I know what God says let me change your spirit let me change you on the inside let me give you so much peace and contentment and security that I, I, this is what i think for, for me anyway and i think this is true for all of us when my heart is so full of god there's no room for anger in there when my heart is overflowing with the presence of god with his peace with his security with his perspective with his love There's no spot for anger to be. It's just peace that I experience. And I just want to know, do you want that? That's it. You don't have to. You can hold on to anger if you want. But if you do want that, God says it's only through me. Let me change your spirit. Let me change you on the inside. And so here's what I want to do this morning. This is, if you were here last week, this is going to be very familiar to you. We're going to basically do what we did last week. But if you're new, here's the thing. Rather than just saying a quick little you know, meal time sort of prayer and everybody leaving. I want to actually spend a few minutes with God and give us a chance to communicate with God honestly ourselves. And so I'm going to give us three different things to talk to God about and then just 10 or 20 seconds for us to quietly from our hearts communicate with God. And so if we could just take some time to bow our heads and close our eyes, this is just so we can focus better, okay? God does not hear us any better this way. But, as I kind of give us things to talk to God about, here's, here's my challenge for each of us. Be as open and as honest as you can. God can handle it. Even if you've got to use bad words, God does not, He can handle it. Talk to God openly and honestly. And here's the first thing I want you to talk to God about. Tell Him about the things in your life that are making you angry right now. Top one, two, maybe three things and just vent. Vent to God. Be totally vulnerable and open. These are the things that are <laughs> me off. Tell him. Here's the second one. <clears throat> and this will, this will be different for all of us. Talk to God about the forgiveness piece. Now maybe you're at a point where you're ready to forgive. Ask him to help. And Maybe you're at a point where you're not ready to forgive. Tell God, like, I don't want to forgive him yet. If you want me to forgive God, you've got to do something in my heart. Tell God. here's the final one. In your own words, whatever makes sense to you, whatever this means to you, ask God to fill you with his presence. Give God permission to change your spirit on the inside. Father, thank You so much just for <laughs> listening to us as we, I don't know, vent, just kind of pour out our hearts to You. Father, thank You that You care about us so much that not only are You willing to listen, but You want to work as well. You want to work in our lives and change and transform us from the inside out. And so Father, I guess, I guess what we're saying is just You do Your thing. Like You have Your way in us, God. Help us put this this painful thing called anger to death in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would be so close to You. May our relationship with You grow. No matter where we're at, draw us close to You. And Father, replace the anger in our hearts with a peace that comes only from You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.